We brought the family back together to discuss the bigger picture about the Charlotte Hornets and some of the things happening in the now that could affect the future. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Also, a big shout to Prize Picks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code Locked On. If you are viewing this on YouTube, then you see not only my face, <laughs> Not only Doug's face, you also see Nada's face. It is very reminiscent of the picture we took at Old Mecklenburg Brewery where we got the band back together, and I took what was a horrible picture because that's what I do when I'm told to smile for the camera. But Doug and Nada, you both looked great as you do here. Nada, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm good. Uh, you, you still enjoying those cheesesteaks, uh, that cheesesteak place I uh, recommended to you? Doug Nada took us to the cheesesteak place Cheats that apparently everybody in Charlotte knows, and I had never mm-hmm. tried one before, but it was so good. I had my buddies with me, so Nada got to meet <laughs> a couple of my friends. He's seen them uh, you know, a few times maybe. Yeah. But we all had the Philly cheesesteak, and then we went out drinking afterwards, and look, man, cheesesteak, beer – It doesn't sit too pretty on the stomach, and so we kind of had to call it an early night, but it was all worth it because the cheesesteaks were really good. Cheats turning into sheets. (laughs) All right. That's that's the first line you come back with. That's excellent. That is Doug Branson. Listen, I've been talking a lot on the show. I'm I'm used to it. I'm, I'm, I'm loose. Well, I saw you. Yeah, you decided out of that had to be out of pure excitement. I saw my YouTube feed where you decided to talk about the Golden State victory. I was like, okay, this is excited, Doug. He needs a platform. We know that you want the mic sometimes. And I know that Golden State, that that victory, that was a fun one. And you were like, I got to get my face in front of people and my takes in front of people. And so I appreciate you for working a little extra this weekend by doing that. Well, it was fun. I just wish the Hornets could have kept it going. I wish I could have run upstairs after the you know Sacramento game and and talked about that. But instead, we got to we we invite Nada on after a loss, and we got to talk about you know where this Hornets team is. And and I think there are a lot of question marks around this team right now. That's right. So they lose to the Sacramento Kings. They had a 15 point lead at halftime, and then eventually falter despite the best efforts of PJ Washington. And I still feel overall positively about this team, as do you, Nada. They're three and four. The fact that you have some things going on, I think, are sustainable. That's what makes me feel better about the long-term outlook as far as this season goes. I think the defense for DSJ is real. I think Nick Richards providing some ample backup minutes is actually real. As funny as that is, I do think that Nick's development is a thing that will continue this year. I also think P.J. Washington's offensive initiative is real. We're not going to see him average 30, but the fact that we've seen him, I mean, hell, he was providing step-back threes as soon as the game against the Spurs. Here's the conversation I'm interested in having with you, though. Steve Clifford spoke to media today, and he said this about the injury status of one LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Cody Martin. LaMelo Ball is out against Chicago. Terry Rozier is doubtful for Chicago tomorrow night, or this will be on November 2nd, and Cody Martin is also doubtful. Here's what he had to say. I know they're getting better. Today, we didn't do anything live. They were able to be involved, which last week they couldn't, 
So they're definitely getting better. Now, not I know we both feel positive overall about the season, but how much can they keep this going without those guys being available really for most of the season with Terry playing a couple of times, but really LaMelo and Cody have missed the entirety of the young year. Quite honestly, I am concerned. I have legitimate concerns about the way this is going to go because I don't think what they're trying to do is quite sustainable just yet. I think we're having an issue with Gordon Hayward. I mean, just look at Gordon Hayward. He's having to carry most of the bulk of the offensive production right now at this point for the starters and for a large part of this bench. You have very few guys that can create their own shot right now. You need a shot in the arm offensively because it's becoming incredibly easy to defend this team, especially when it's late. And we saw that with Sacramento because Mike Brown was like, okay, anybody but Gordon, and we'll see what they can do. PJ couldn't do do enough. Gordon wasn't going to do enough. I love DSJ, but they're starting to figure him out offensively as well. There's a lot of this to where I am starting to wonder how sustainable this is going 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 forward. And unless and unless someone like a James Book Knight, maybe even a Kelly Oubre of sorts starts to take a step forward, there's going to be a lot of problems offensively as these teams start churning through this tape and start figuring out ways that the Charlotte Hornets can't counterpunch for. So already, that's why I love you, Nada. You keep things spicy, and I disagree with about two or three things you said right there. <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I do think P.J. Washington did more than enough. I do think that P.J. was excellent offensively in this one. Now, at the very end, he did miss a couple of shots, but still, I don't know how much more I could ask from P.J. than what he did, also hitting a clutch corner three he was bearing a ton of the offensive responsibility. You know, Steve Clifford, we heard the little soundbite from Ashley Shamady when she was talking about, hey, I got a sneak peek into the messaging via the team huddle. And Steve Clifford said to PJ, they can't guard you. So we're going to feed you constantly. And it was bearing out that exact way where he was starting to get into the post. I also think as much love as DSJ gets for his defensive ability, I think he's actually helping a lot offensively by facilitating. The turnovers were bad, but the assisting and still getting and finishing the alley-oop, that was awesome, right? The alley-oop layup. He's turning into a layup god. So I, I love what Dennis Smith Jr. is doing in that regard. I, I think those are some of the things that are sustainable, maybe on a smaller picture, but that's okay because we should get LaMelo, Cody, and Terry back at some point. So Before or after, yeah. thank you. But that's, that's the question I have for you because if we're talking about this lasting till Thanksgiving – I have problems about how sure. sustainable this is. If we're talking about next week by Brooklyn, again, by Brooklyn at the latest, at least one of them, if not two of them come back. Okay, cool. We can have a discussion about this. But if this lasts for another two weeks, we're going to have these uncomfortable, should they tank conversations come back and it's going to drive me nuts. And I'm going to block a whole lot of people on Twitter. I can no, see that, that already. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Doug, we, we've hogged the mic away from you after giving you all of the free reign this weekend. So uh, what, what what would you have to say about Nada's comments and all of this going lo on long term? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling impatient about LaMelo's recovery time. I'm feeling impatient about Terry Rozier's recovery time. I'm feeling confused about all of the injuries that Cody Martin, the only player that they decided to, that really the only move they made this offseason was to bring Cody Martin back and re-sign him. And, and the fruits of their labor have been a player that I'm just confused as to why the, the injury that he had in the preseason seemed to be a getting ramped up kind of injury. 
And then you have the quad on top of that. I'm just like confused by why all of these injuries are mounting for him. But on the LaMelo front, I'm scared that they're being too careful with both LaMelo and Terry. And as Nada said, if this continues to drag on, I think the actual concern is not in the tank. The concern is that you're actually a little too good with your current depth to you're going to end up being in a middle situation where you're going to get like the 13th or 14th pick again and you know and so you're 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 not good enough to contend but you're not really good enough to tank uh or you're too good to tank so i think that's the concern with lamello and it you know it, it, it the number of games that he's missing right it could mess with some of his individual accomplishments as well all-star all nba i mean all of these things that we talked about were in, within reach for lamello ball suddenly in danger because of how many games he's missing well, let's focus on that real quickly before we move on. I do think that you miss many more games. It's going to have to come into effect with these individual accolades because LaMelo is going to already miss Chicago, right? They've already deemed him out with that injury. Let's just call it an even 10, you know, because it's just a good old fashioned round number. So let's say that he misses the first 10 games of the season, and then we can try to calculate what it would mean to miss more, man. Like you talk about that all-star vote, right? Well, Last year, LaMelo was a first-team alternate. He was not voted in immediately. LaMelo this year has to deal with DeJounte Murray a little bit. Hey, he was an all-star that moves from the west to the east, so he has to at least be in the conversation, even though I would feel more comfortable with LaMelo making it over DeJounte based on what I know about both of those players. Donovan Mitchell, not, right? Cleveland's <laughs> off to a 5-1 and one start. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is very good. Don't we remind that- me. Yeah, we already know that Donovan Mitchell was very good coming over from Utah anyway, and he's off to a a really nice start. So that's another guard that's going to take up one of those spaces. And we haven't seen – I was trying to think in the offseason, I don't think we saw an Eastern Conference All-Star move to the Western Conference, if I'm not mistaken. The other Western – the other trade from the Jazz, it was Rudy staying in the Western Conference. So, you know, it wasn't Rudy moving from the East. Yeah, like it gets a little tough, especially when you discuss – LaMelo probably not being afforded much time to knock off any rust. The voting results will come in about the halfway point of the season. The actual game takes place two-thirds of the way into the season. So, Nada, do you think that LaMelo will be affected with the all-star candidacy based on what we've seen from the injury so far? It really does depend on when he comes back, quite honestly. Like, if you're telling me he comes back next week, it doesn't hurt. If he comes back closer to Thanksgiving, closer to December 1st, which he shouldn't, I, I kind of want to say at least All-Stars are wrap. Because I think there's a name we're not discussing right now, that name probably being Tyrese Halliburton, who's having a phenomenal start to the year for the Indiana yeah. Pacers. Like, that's the guy that I'm starting to worry <laughs> about, takes that LaMelo spot, and is averaging 20 and change. And I think they're going to have to give Indiana a bone at some point for this. So I feel like he's in danger of all-star. If you're telling me all NBA isn't, it, it is, isn't a threat. I don't think so. He's got to be, he'll be back before Christmas. So that's when that all NBA starts to matter. But I do worry about all-star and I do worry that a guy like Tyler Tyrese Halliburton is going to gank his spot if he's gone for too, too long. But if LaMelo comes back in the next week or so and helps 
an offense that right now for the Charlotte Hornets is is flagging like it's not doing well. It's it's twentieth according to cleaning the glass in points per possession. Totally opposite of what we saw last season. Last season this team hung its hat on offense. This this year they've had to hang it on defense because they just don't have enough. Like PJ Washington has played great, but as we saw at the end of that Sacramento game, he's not like a superstar level player where you can do that and sustain that for four quarters. They're going to figure it out. Same with DSJ. Really, I mean, same with Gordon Hayward. They need. Lamelo back to really energize this offense. If he does that and he gets this team with the other depth pieces that have come along, Nick Richards, DSJ, you know, all these players that we keep talking about, if they can keep sustaining that success with Lamelo, then all of a sudden you're talking about maybe possibly winning streak for the Charlotte Hornets. And if he does that and he becomes part of the public consciousness again in a significant way and the Hornets are sitting, you know, sixth, fifth in the East, then I think All-Star is going to be easy breezy. All right, let's continue this conversation, move on to the P.J. Washington combo as well. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Oops, I put, myself, I, put myself, I put myself on camera because... Uh, you can I, do the read I, if you want to. That's totally fine. No, that's fine. okay. I've just been doing it. Here, I'll cut to you. There All right. Nada, do you want to do the read or do you just want me to do it? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let me be the one to tell you about Prize Picks because Prize Picks is just fantastic. Prize Picks is a fantasy app where you can pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than the Prize Picks projection, then you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes the NBA, the NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. I'm not done. College football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball. You also have soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR. Yes, cricket, Euro basketball, uh, Euro basketball. There is a lot of sports that you can bet on when it comes to prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You can have safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. If you're listening to us over there in Toronto, even hey. you can download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, prize picks gives you 50. You get the idea. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match of all the way up to $100. PJ Washington convo coming up next. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. I, I think you guys are kind of being a little hard. Wow. They're in, they, they are, uh, again, and this is me trying to be Mr. Positivity, uh, which it's is weird. really not my role, but they're. they're this we'll is, yeah, the right. turntables have definitely turned here. This is yeah, not, this is absolutely not your role. And in fact, I think leaving this podcast uh, has has turned you into a completely different person. When it comes <laughs> You've to changed, opponents. man. So, so changed. what I'm saying is, I think we should discredit whatever you're about to say, even before you say it. Go ahead. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, where you can make it your first listen today. Make your second listen, Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Lockdown can provide. I want to talk a little bit more about the LaMelo stuff because you were bringing up the fact that if the Hornets could go on a winning streak even more so or just start to level out and win more games than not, I think that would probably balance the scales with some injury, right? Because if you think about it, 
or with with the uh, All Star uh, candidacy for Lamelo is what yeah. I mean. So the Hornets are three and four. They had the bad loss to Orlando. They had the awesome win against Golden State. You know, probably maybe even Stevens with this Kings game coming in, considering the injuries based off of the line. I didn't see what the line was coming in into that matchup. Kings minus three and a half. Okay. So, you know, close, but Kings favored there. You know, if the Hornets can get these guys back and the team can still play, you know, somewhat close to the individual level in which they've performed, right? We'll get to DSJ in just a moment. Nick Richards, PJ, even two, don't have to score 30, but if he scores 15 on 47 from the field and 40 from three, take that any day of the week. And then they start to win some games. I do think the victories will help LaMelo Ball's candidacy too. Um, how much do you think those scales can be balanced, Doug? I know you were kind of talking about that as well. Is that kind of your point that maybe the scales can be balanced despite him missing some games? Maybe they can also win some games um, in order to help him get to that all-star level. Well, look, he's going, I mean, you know, he's going to have to make an all NBA leap. He's just going to have to do it quicker. You know I mean? He's going to have to do it essentially as soon as he gets back, he's going to have to take over this team you know, there can't be an adjustment period where he's laying back and, you know, allowing others to, you know, take over the offensive load. He's got to come back and immediately become the the star offensive player of this team. Uh, through the you know, obviously he's going to do it in an unselfish way. That's his game. You know, he's not going to take a, a thousand shots. He just has to be super. When he does take shots, he has to be super efficient. We have to see, you know, a a Lamelo that has worked on his game all summer. A different kind of Lamelo. Maybe a Lamelo that's getting fouled a little bit more, getting to the free throw line, uh, and and in ultimately we just have to see this team improve significantly on offense when he's on the floor because right now. The offense uh, doesn't look anywhere near what the offense looked like last season when he was on the floor. Honestly, I just need a LaMelo ball that just slightly improves, just becomes more efficient in terms of his shot. If he gets his three-point shooting up to 39%, I think this opens up a whole lot more for him. And I look at guys like Kelly Oubre. I look at guys like Dennis Smith Jr. I think there's going to be a clear improvement when he comes back. It's just going to be a matter of how Cliff taps into him, and that may be more off-ball stuff where Terry initiates the offense and LaMelo works off-ball to become that score. We don't know, but I'm when it comes to the improvement of possibly being an all-NBA, which I think he obviously can be, I think it's just a lot more of just about being smarter, being more efficient, and like Doug said, getting to the foul line a whole lot more to get to that 23, 24, 25 points a game. Well, yeah, it's, just, it's hitting it's hitting three point shots too because this team has you know again without Lamelo and without Terry they fundamentally changed how they play offense from last season they are shooting more twos uh, Kelly Oubre seems to be like the only player on this team that can hit big three point shots well him and Jalen McDaniels I think you could add him in there too yeah but um, you know there there aren't enough players hitting these big time three point shots and you're not able to hit that knockout punch like in the third quarter they could have used in fact the third quarter the guy that was hitting uh, shots was James Booknight who actually saved them from total disaster in that third quarter, gave him a shot to get back in the game in the fourth quarter. You know, they need that little little section of James Booknight at the end of the third. They need that throughout the game, and that's what LaMelo can provide, and that's, I think that's what he will provide if he does it, you know, to to a, a massive level. That's what I'm saying. That's what could take him into uh, the the public consciousness again. I just don't – I don't. I think we got to be careful here to underrate – you know, because we haven't seen Lamelo in the regular season yet, we haven't. You know, we, it's easy to forget. But we can't. We can't underrate his ability to come in and completely transform the team. And if he does that and they win, yeah. then I think he's going to be, you know, in the All Star conversation for sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I hate to keep 
you know, keep going for PJ too. I do you, Doug? Do you feel like he could have done more at the very end of this game, like against the Kings? Do I think he tried? No, what I'm saying, I, I think he did a lot. I think he tried to do more at the end of that Kings game, and the Kings were able to stop him. And there are certain yeah, players in the, the league. Block. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are certain players in the league that are that are that are legitimately unstoppable. PJ is not yeah. at that level, um, so uh, sure that's that's that. all I'm saying. Yeah, no, okay, absolutely, I agree. With, uh, I, I agree with them there. But the big thing for me was okay. They started adjusting and shading him, shading guys over to where it became we can't let PJ stop. We can't let PJ beat us. We can't let Gordon beat us. Everybody else is fair game. And well, if we look, lose to them, we lose to them. Yeah, look, I so so PJ came up huge in Golden State, even in overtime, hitting buckets, mm-hmm. and then I think in this one as well, hit the late three pointer in this one, but then eventually did get blocked, and almost we hit Spooky Night Bingo, where Mason Plumley was point Plumley had a turnover, they couldn't inbound it on the sideline, oh, that was a five second call turnover, and then Davion Mitchell, your random Hornet killer, shows up and scores over twenty, I believe his previous season high was seven points, Bench so. Rich. Um, so I was talking about PJ contributing, but also DSJ has really contributed not only defensively where he's been amazing, but he's had two game tying layups so far this season, one against Golden State and once against the New York Knicks. They would lose that OT game, but they would win the game against Golden State. I thought in the first half, Dennis Smith Jr. was contributing once again offensively. Clearly, it's the other end of the floor, though, that's getting the most attention. You saw John Hollinger on Twitter talk about how he's legitimately legitimately playing at an all-defender type level. Here's Steve Clifford discussing what he's seen so far from the new acquisition in Dennis Jr. He can certainly be part of a terrific defense. I mean, his defense is, I mean, really, really good. I mean, he's a... I mean, I don't know how you rank him, but he's one of the better perimeter defenders to me in our league. So, uh, you know, the you have to have certain things, obviously. But, I mean, every good defender that you have obviously makes your defense much better. And Clifford there was responding to a question that essentially, I'm going to paraphrase the question, is like, can you build – an elite defense around DSJ at the at the point of attack. You know, does does what DSJ gives you or what what he's giving you right now, can you build an elite defense? And you can see Clifford there, he was, you know, respecting DSJ's defensive ability, but obviously he looks at the team as a whole and says, well, that you know, there are certain things you need to actually make an elite defense. Uh, and I guess my question off of that would be like, what are are they missing something? What are they missing? What 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 could they give Clifford that Clifford doesn't currently have to make that elite defense happen? Yeah, I mean, no, you can't have an elite defense with only Dennis Smith Jr. playing at that level. I, I think I think you you can have a really nice lineup with Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, PJ Washington. And even Nick Richards helps a little bit. But if we're talking about elite defensive squad, then I think the other kind of kind of guy to look at is Mark Williams. And that's for the large part, right? I'm not saying Mark Williams now, because clearly he's not providing you an elite defense, just putting him in there this early in his career. But you drafted him to be that guy. You drafted him to be at some point in his career 
someone that can be the defensive anchor where, okay, now you have point of the attack and Dennis Smith Jr. You have rogue instinctual defensive player alongside him in LaMelo Ball, who as soon as he starts to understand the concepts of team defense even more with defensive tutor Steve Clifford, then those steals are going to, you know, ride up even more. But but Mark Williams in the back of that, right? DSJ LaMelo in the backcourt, Mark Williams being the anchor, that's the idea. He's going to Greensboro now, and we just saw that come in, reported not too long ago as of this recording. I think that's the thing for the future as we have kind of this big picture you know, moment for the Hornets and what's happened with the little things that have affected the big picture. Nada, what do you think this team has to do in order to be the elite defensive team, or not even elite, just sustainable average to even close to like top 10 squad? What are the differences there, and what do they need for those levels? Elite, if we're talking elite, we're talking about, maybe again, a fully grown-up Mark Williams. He's not there yet. We're talking about, but if we're talking about just merely good or top top seven to top 15, we're just talking about health here. Because I think if you, I think you can legitimately roll out a uh, DSJ, LaMelo, um, Jalen McDaniels, Mark Williams, uh, not Mark Williams, uh, Nick Richards and PJ Washington lineup. And I think you can be fine. I think you can do a couple of, I think they have enough switchability on this roster. I think Cliff has coached up this roster well enough to where you can talk about possibly having that kind of, that roster where you can be okay enough to be something to where you're not going to be easily schemed apart. The roster is there. The It's just about health at this point and getting guys back and making sure that they're not overloaded with minutes at this point. Yeah, I think you have to – when you're talking about building an elite defense, I, I think what you need is uh, somebody that can anchor underneath that scares offensive players away from driving the basketball. I don't think Mason Plumley's scaring anyone. Honestly, I don't think Nick Richards is scaring. He has a great ability to block, but people can still push him around no. a little bit and finish into him. So he's not moving players out of the paint. If you, if you look back on Clifford's first run, that's what he was always looking for. That's why they brought in Roy Hibbert. Didn't work out. It's why they part of the reason why they traded for Dwight Howard, because Clifford would say all the time, Dwight, even, even in his older age, he scared players out of the paint from from driving, and that's what you need in order to build an elite defense. So you can cut that penetration off, which cuts the you know kick out to the corner, the three point shots that kill you. The second thing you need is a lockdown wing defender, and they they don't really have that either, especially without Cody Martin. PJ PJ is evolving a little bit towards that, but is not fully there and may, and may never be fully there. And then you do need something up at the point of attack. But at the same time, uh, they, they're probably still going to go with LaMelo and Terry once they're once those two are healthy. I don't expect uh, them to stick with DSJ in any kind of starting guard role, and you can't play all three at the no. same time for, no. for extended minutes. So, you know, he's got to figure out a way to get to good which is probably finding all groups of players that are that are uh, high awareness players. You can't have any of these plays like Kelly Oubre had against Kevin Herter that killed them in this <laughs> game against against Sacramento. Like he's got to cut that stuff out because this team is built with length, but it's not built with size and physicality. So you've got to find ways to sort of you know work within the margins there. Clifford's got a an interesting job ahead of him this season. All right, let's continue to talk about that. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug mentioned Dennis Smith Jr. isn't going to start alongside LaMelo once Terry comes back, but is there another player we should really be 
at least questioning about his uh, about his minutes logged going forward with Dennis Smith Jr. and the way that he's played so far on the young season. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Is locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Yeah, that's Mark Williams and Bryce McGowan's, by the way, both going to Greensboro. So not surprising with Bryce or really even Mark at this point. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, I thought there might be some regular season minutes logged for Mark, but just wanted to provide that update before we move on to the rotation. You know, those guys were never going to be a part of the rotation or consistent mainstays. We saw Bryce get in, the, get in there for like a minute or, you know, 30 seconds a couple of times, but that was it. You know, Mark was only getting garbage time run. Dennis Smith Jr. and the way he's playing defense is really valuable. And again, even the way that he's getting into the paint, providing that rim pressure, that has also been awesome for this offense. Terry Rozier, when he comes back, is going to start. I mean, that's just how it is. And remember, he was playing pretty well as far as what we've seen in the past from Terry running that point. Terry LaMelo, that's going to be your starting backcourt. The real question to me is whether Dennis Smith Jr. starts to get some minutes over Cody Martin and how you start to split that up, right? Because I would argue, I I think Dennis Smith Jr. has played better defensively than Cody ever has. And it's not because Cody has been Mm -hmm. this bad defender. It's because Dennis Smith Jr. is playing that well. Mm -hmm. And I'm just as surprised as anybody that I'm saying that, by the way. this is I, I am not sitting here in hindsight saying, oh, you could see this coming all along. I knew it as soon as they brought him in. I liked his defense. I liked his rim pressure. One like this, like this, this is some next level stuff from what you're seeing from him. He has to be a part of the rotation. I don't care how hard his job is. Like the way that DSJ has played, he has earned real minutes. He's not going to get 37, 35, 40, what he's been locking, but he needs to see 20. Like that, that's, that's how much he's been improved. Not in the offensive end too. He's been very good. Jalen McDaniels, clearly a very trusted player for Steve Clifford at this point, too. Like, this eventually starts to trickle down all the way to James Booknight, right? And James Booknight has been afforded the benefit of the doubt as far as playing time goes. Like, Steve Clifford is giving him his minutes, so you can't put DSJ out. Teo Maladone, as much as I like him, he's just not going to be part of the rotation. That's just the way it is. How do you see it, Nada? Do you see it similarly the way that I do? You know, how do you expect the rotation to shape up? I think this is not a DSJ or Cody Martin question as much as this is, is is it going to be Cody Martin or James Booknight going forward? I think that's the question. Because if Cody Martin's not going to be healthy, he's not going to be active. If this le- If this leg is going to hamper him, then you have to legitimately ask that question, how useful is he going to be on that floor? So if James Booknight can give you, I don't know, maybe three quarters of the defense and occasionally have those hiccups mentally, but at the same time be an offensive threat rather than Cody Martin, who we're not sure if his jumper made it to this season or not, and he's going to be hampered by the this leg injury, it may be a lost season for Cody Martin, quite honestly. And I think 
it may end up being Book Knight beating out Cody Martin, and it might be a close shave on that. All right, Doug, real quickly. I feel like we have next questioned this original question three times, and you are the last link here. I took the orig- original media question saying it's not Terry and DSJ, it's Cody and DSJ. Nada has taken that and said it's actually DSJ or James, or Cody and or James Book Knight. Do you have a question, right? Like, because I I felt like there's one player, and the reason I wanted to get out in front of this because I wanted the satisfaction of guessing it right. Can I guess the player you're going to mention? Well, let me just say I smiled okay. because I thought Nada was going to say the player yeah. that I was thinking, mm-hmm. and, and then he didn't, so go ahead. Is it Kelly Oubre? It's Kelly Oubre. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. even. That it's not even a question in my mind. I don't. I don't ex- like Kelly right now is starting, um, but I I think his his role as a starter is questionable e- even before all of these players come back. And then obviously oh, yeah. he's going to go to the bench. And I think the role there is a big question because you know if Cody Martin doesn't come back for a while, then I think it uncomplicates a lot of things. But if he does come back soon. Then, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Steve Clifford has some real questions to ask himself in terms of, you know, how do I fit Jalen, Kelly, DSJ, and Cody all into the rotation? Oh, yeah, by the way, I got to get Nick Richards in there. You know, and and Book Knight could complicate things even further if if he starts to look a little bit better than Book Knight. You know, when you're sort of looking at Book Knight and Kelly, that's kind of they give you kind of this a little bit of the same things offensively. So and and a little bit different because Book Knight has this like electric ability to drive the basketball that Kelly has in the open floor, but not necessarily in the half court. But yeah, I mean, I you know I could definitely see DSJ eating some of Ubre's minutes, especially if he's defensively disciplined. And I'll I'll agree with you that Terry Rozier will will. Although I say I'll say there's a non-zero chance that he doesn't come back and is the starting two guard. I'll say it's very low probability, but that's how well DSJ's played that I think it's a non-zero chance. I'll also say if Terry Rozier returns and there are problems up front, you know, at that point of attack that are seriously in you know uh, making problems for Steve Clifford defensively, then I I you know DSJ sitting right there you know available to play defense if that's what's necessary for the team. So I don't count out his ability to supplant Terry at some point as a starting two guard. Okay, so my mind going a bunch of different ways, and I want to try to get all that out, and then we can explore it maybe later on in future shows, but. If Terry Rogier sees the bench, is he the type of guy that would want to get traded at that point and it would be best for both parties? I'm not saying that they've happens. They've already explored it. Well, that's fine, but they've but, already explored the team has already explored that. So yeah. that's not what 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 would that be a big deal? Does Terry care or not? D- d- does it get to a point where the Hornets are the one calling the shots? Terry Terry. Or is Terry going to be the one wanting to be out too? Because right now, I don't, I don't know if Terry is calling to be out of Charlotte, right? But if Steve no. Clifford decides to have DSJ as the starting, you know, backcourt mate, then maybe it's Terry saying, "Okay, yeah, I'd actually like for you guys to explore something." But right now, we're not getting any indication of that, and we're, yeah, we're not doing that. That yeah. is a very way down the line type of thing. Mm-hmm. I do think there's pretty much a zero percent chance, maybe, of DSJ supplanting it. Maybe, maybe that's a possibility down the line. But if that's the case, then remember, Steve Clifford talked about this offseason, about how much he loves Terry, but also even Kelly Oubre. Like he tried to hitch his wagon a little bit to Kelly Oubre being a good defender, and that just hasn't happened. So that's interesting. I I will say just real quickly with the with the lineup situation, James Borrego was one to go with a three guard lineup a lot. It was OKC that did it with 
Chris Paul and I forget who the other guy. It was Dennis Schroeder and then I forget Dennis Schroeder and I forgot. Was it campaign? And, then, and and no, I think it was somebody else and I forget. Brego also it, ran a lot of zone too. So I mean, he, he yeah. junked it up a lot. Clifford's but, not doing that. No, but Borrego was the guy that would also go to a lot of three-guard lineups with mm-hmm. LaMelo, Terry, and Devontae Graham. Mm-hmm. Steve, does Steve Clifford at all think that's a possibility? No. You know, with, with, I, with going I, I with the DSJ, that. Terry, or LaMelo thing. So anyways, go ahead. I, like, I, I don't think, because what we've seen with Steve Clif- Clifford thus far is that he wants to build sustainable habits. And if he wants to build sustainable habits, and I remember one of his favorite Cliff quotes is we go small you can go small if you want to lose and i think that's one of when did he say that's an amazing quote when did he say that i didn't know he said that that was that that was early i want to say that was before the small ball revolution really took over okay but that was one of his things like he's like if you want to lose you can go small (laughs) i don't think that he's going to do that i think he wants to continue to build these bad habits like break all these bad habits out of this team he's about teaching and therefore they're going to have to learn on again as they go whether that whether or not they can guard their men also on the terry thing where if this gets bad where he's off coming off the bench i i would just ask if he if it's going to be that untenable where he's coming off the bench for the charlotte hornets i would ask um where is he going to go where he's not coming off the bench at this point, if you trade him, there's not a team that's going to start him because of his, I would say, defensive deficiencies at this point. Let's be fair. Real quickly, I just want to say Terry has never said anything like that. Uh, that it, Terry has been nothing but fantastic in the locker room. Okay, even after some of the rumors from him coming over to Boston, I just, I just you're have just that asking question. questions. You're just asking, just questions. asking that question, but yes, there is fair. zero indication that as that has ever come from Terry. All he's done is is be fine, and he's even talked about some of the mental struggles you know, with, with the things that he's experienced here in Charlotte and, and surpassed that. So awesome dude is Terry. Just throw it out there. All right. No, no, this go isn't ahead. about go Terry ahead. Rozier because look, he committed to being a better sure. defensive player before this season. And he hasn't had necessarily that opportunity to show that because he got injured against new Orleans. So there's definitely going to be a wait and see approach to see if that is actually the case. If you can play Terry Rozier and LaMelo ball and, and win some games on defense, that wasn't evident last season. They, that, you know, we we talked about that all the time. That that was a problem defensively for this team uh, a lot. So the, all all this conversation is is generated from is the fact that DSJ is getting so many. Uh, you know, people saying, wow, this is like next level defense. This is something the Charlotte Hornets haven't had at that position in a very long time. And you you couple that with some of the things that he's been able to do offensively. I mean, that athletic reverse layup that he hit that was, was so just awesome. like, like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, they just haven't had that at that, you know, with with paired with the defense in a long time. So DSJ is causing all of these questions and they're good questions to ask. And I hope, I think the team would, would do themselves a service as we move forward to continue to ask Ask those questions. Yeah, by the way, as we had the Kelly Oubre conversation, you know, Kelly Oubre played less minutes than Jalen McDaniels did in this game against the Kings. That had not been the case leading well, up to that contest. He got subbed out. Kelly Oubre, once once those two mistakes happened on the Herder threes, that was in that fourth quarter uh, yeah. when the Hornets were up three and uh, Sacramento went on a 9-0 run uh, to go up six. 
that that was because that he got subbed out for Jalen McDaniels. Like after those two mistakes, you know, Clifford pulled the plug. And the question is, is he go because he hasn't to this point really made any significant lineup changes? Clifford hasn't. And that's kind of a Clifford staple, right? He's gonna stick with yeah. something, try to get some playing groups and get and you know, and 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 find some stability. But at what point do you go, okay, too many mistakes happening here? We got to make a change. Will it be against Chicago? Well, we'll see. Yeah, I think Final it is. Thoughts, I think, not a go ahead. I kind of think it is. I think you have to make some sort of change because the groups are. It's a little too easy to scout against. It's a little too easy, and, and we talk about the lack of shooting in that starting lineup. What better way to add that scoring punch and add another perimeter threat than to add Jalen McDaniels to the mix for Kelly Oubre, especially when you're not going to lose much on defense. If anything, you gain something. Well, a a scoring run by the other team within within the context of a game results in a timeout. And what we haven't seen from the Charlotte Hornets yet is a losing streak. They did lose two back to back, you know, New York, Orlando, but then they followed that up with a big win against Golden State. So they're going back and forth in right now right now. And I think as long as they go back and forth, then you're not gonna see any major shifts. You're not gonna see any tectonic shifts in the lineup. But if they lose these consecutive games to Chicago and Memphis, especially because we got the news that Zach Levine's not even going to play uh, for Chicago against Charlotte because they're going to rest him, you know, trying to uh, deal with his injuries. So if they get beat by Chicago and Memphis, come back home, yeah, then I could see possibly three-game losing streak. You look at a change. All right, that'll do it for a lot of content here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. That is not Edwards. On Twitter, you can find him at Nada the Scribe, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. He is the man that runs the ones and twos. And by the way, congratulations on officially tomorrow or today was it eight a.m. Okay. that you worked there a year? Yeah, oh, I've been wow. there a year. I left you guys. I, I left you, Walker, fifty-two weeks and a day and a couple of days ago. With, with one of the more silent send-offs of all time until we did yeah. the goodbye show because you wanted zero fanfare. You did not want to do the farewell tour. You were nope. more Roy Williams than you were Coach K in that scenario. Um, Absolutely. You, yeah, so that is Nada Edwards coming back and joining the family once again. We appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Of course I'm going to chop it up and cause havoc. Yeah, that, that's how he rolls. That's also Doug Branson. You can find his work on everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on WFNZ. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your second listen, Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA is your daily 30-minute update on everything taking place within the association. Again, make that your second listen anywhere you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.